0: Heavenly Father, it has been a really hard and traumatic week for, for many of us here in the city, Lord. So many lives were lost, so many lives were affected, and now this city is trying to deal with a lot of the pain, Lord. There's a lot of questions that are being asked, I pray that those who love you will surround those who are asking these, these questions, Lord, so that they will remind them about you, so they will tell them about your love. This whole week I've been praying for this message, Lord, and I pray that now as I'm about to deliver it, that you speak mildly through me, Lord, and, and that you speak mildly through your word, Lord. Um, thank you again for everyone here. Fill this room with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and open our heart, open our ears, Lord, so that we may hear from you clearly. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 3. Again, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16. And the word of God says, I heard, and I trembled within. My lips quivered. At the sound, rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. Through the fig tree, though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit, though the flocks disappear from, from the fen and there are no herds in the stalls. Now, I'm going to stop there for just a minute, and then, um, again, towards the end, I'll pick up in verse 18, but let me share a story that I read about. One night, while conducting an evangelistic meeting in the Salvation Army Citadel in Chicago, Boo Tucker preached on the sympathy of Jesus. After his message, a man approached him and said, if your wife had just died, like mine has." And your babies were crying for their mother who would never come back you wouldn't be saying what you're saying tragically a few days later tucker's wife was killed in a train wreck her body was brought to chicago and carried to the same citadel for the funeral after the service the bereaved preacher looked down into the silent face of his wife and then turned to those attending the other day a man me I wouldn't speak of the sympathy of Jesus if my wife had just died. If that man were here, I want to tell him that Christ is sufficient. My heart is broken, but it has a sign put there by Jesus. I want that man to know that Jesus Christ speaks comfort to me today. In the midst of his own tragedy, Boo Tucker was able to apply what he preached because he believed God was greater than the painful loss he was experiencing. And although at the moment he may not have understood exactly why this happened, he knew God's love for him was stronger than his confusion and his grief. As you all heard by now, eight days ago, evil showed up and caused severe damage to our city. As a result of one person's heinous act, 22 people were senselessly killed, 26 injured, and countless of others are now suffering the emotional and psychological trauma that came with that event. And even though the accused perpetrator of this vile act was arrested and will eventually face justice, the effects of his actions will be felt long, long after that. Nevertheless, throughout the entire week, reality has set in, has begun to set in for those directly affected. The reality that they'll never be able to hold, embrace, kiss, hug their loved ones ever again. Some like Tucker Booth are finding their strength, peace and comfort in Christ. Many others though, are seeking answers as to why why this happened? Why did this occur? Why here in El Paso? So many questions are being asked. And maybe some of you too are asking some of these questions or those watching and listening. We've heard about, this week, we heard about the, also the events that happened in Ohio. There was also, uh, I think, a stabbing, multiple stabbing, a guy that stabbed a bunch of people in California. We heard about, I, th- I think there was also In Chicago, something happened. And maybe you're asking similar questions. Well, in the beginning of chapter one of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, the prophet asked this, asked God this. How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. This morning, I want to share with you that in spite of all the emotional turmoil many of us in this city have experienced or we've felt this week god is still in control god is still sovereign there is hope in the midst of chaos now i'm going to do a quick review of about what's been going on here with this book i'm not going to Coverage, you know line by line verse by verse chapter by chapter i'm just going to do a quick overview but up until this point of our passage habakkuk has been questioning god's goodness because he sees so much injustice evil and tragedy in the world in chapter one habakkuk expresses an attitude that many righteous people have he's outraged he's outraged the violence and injustice in his society and lists six different problems there was sin wickedness destruction and violence no justice in the courts and the wicked outnumbered the righteous does this sound like our society today does this sound like the world we live in today God then answers by telling them that he will use a terrifying empire to judge them. This shows a principle that God doesn't always gives or give us the answers we want or expect. Habakkuk was looking for something else, something else besides another wicked nation to come in and destroy Judah. By the end of that chapter, by the end of chapter 1, it appears that the prophet accepts the answer, but he doesn't seem to like it. How could God, who is too, too pure to look on evil, appoint such a nation to execute judgment on a people more righteous than themselves? Once again, God answers in chapter two by basically saying that the corrupt Babylonians will be held accountable. Though it might take a while, they will be punished and destroyed. Many times, many times, and as hard as it is, we have to wait on justice. And when that happens, we often feel frustrated. We feel annoyed. We feel anxious and because we just want it now. We feel like it's that justice will never come, but God promises that it will. That's why it's so important that we hold on to our faith, because it helps us to believe that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel is what gives us hope. Habakkuk then presents a series of woes describing how bad Babylon is. However, he doesn't seem to specifically mention Babylon in those descriptions. Now it's possible that he may have done that so that, when, so that it would be taken more as a universal principle or a description of evil. Now those woes are to the proud, the greedy, the dishonest, the violent, the sensual, and the idolater. So throughout chapter two, the the prophet pleads to act, pleads God to act and to end the corruption of nations. But as he does, he also learns a valuable lesson. And this valuable lesson is this, he learns to wait patiently in faith for God's kingdom to be expressed universally see when God eventually confronts human evil everyone everyone will pay attention now that Habakkuk Habakkuk has a proper understanding of God's infinite wisdom he writes a prayer of praise in chapter 3 expressing his belief that yes, God is in control. And when we finally get to our passage in verse 16, he tells us that even through that, he tells us about the fear that he felt inside. On the brink of tears, we see that his lips trembled with or his lips quivered and felt weak as if rottenness entered his bones. Even in the midst of his emotional and physical anguish, he realized that there was nothing to be done. The prophet knew that God carried out the deliverance for Judah. He would have to quietly wait for the day of distress when Babylon would invade. The book of Habakkuk offers us a picture of the righteous live by faith in god reminds us that god may seem silent and uninvolved in our world he always has a plan to deal with evil and will always work out justice eventually it also encourages us as believers to just wait on the Lord expecting that he will as Paul wrote in Romans 8:28 work out all things for our good. Habakkuk asked God the kind of questions so many of us have pondered this past week. Why do you force me to look at evil? Why do you force me to stare at trouble in the face or stare in the face in the face of trouble day after day. So whether it's here in El Paso or wherever you're from, in one way or another, we've all witnessed evil, have been touched by it, and bear the scars of various stages of healing. Evil surrounds us as if we're trapped in a dark prison cell that seems unescapable because of the wickedness Of our fallen world however the book of habakkuk reminds us that there that there's no place too dark no wall too thick for god's grace to penetrate in a powerful and life affirming way the book of habakkuk uh, affirms that god is sovereign he's a sovereign and omnipotent god who has all things in his hands. He has all things under control. We just need to be still and know and believe that he is at work. The Lord God Almighty is who he says he is and he will always keep his promises. He will punish the wicked even when we cannot see it. He's still on the throne of the universe. Now, I wanted to share this passage with you all today because there may be many of you who are still or struggling to make sense of the tragedy that took place last week. I wanted to show you through example an example, how important it is to have a right perspective, how having a right perspective will change your outlook on that event. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm in no way implying that we need to just get over it and move on. Absolutely not. In Ecclesiastes 3, 1, it says, there's an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under the sun. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Solomon tells us that throughout the next few verses, that there's a time to weep. There's a time to to, to mourn but there's also a time to heal. So what I'm saying is, is this. In order to begin the process of healing and help just to bring comfort to those who are hurting, we need to remember that God is in control. And we need to remember to maintain our focus on Him. Jesus said in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. Jesus says, I have conquered this world. Now, one of the things I also noticed about Habakkuk was that he wasn't afraid to express his feelings, his emotions to God. And I don't believe, neither should we. You see, the prophet was only to, was able to accept what was going on and what was going to happen when he just laid it out on the table. When he just laid out his feelings and emotions before God. When the reality of what happened at that Walmart when it hit me I had to come to the Lord and do the same thing I want to take a minute to, to just share with you my personal thoughts and how my feelings and how I was just had to lay it out before God as well I was already feeling pretty down my oldest son had just left to Southern California my firstborn son and and the rest of my family was already gone. They were, they got, they were left to drop them off. So even before the news, I heard the news, I was already just dealing with a mixed bag of emotions of just the sadness that my son was gone, anxiousness that I, during these long trips to California, I normally take them with my family, and, and you know, my, my wife and I we take turns driving. Um, this time she was going to have to, on the way back, take the drive by herself. So I was feeling anxious about that, and and I was just feeling alone. You know, I, I, I don't like being alone. It's, it sucks, you know, and um, some people like it, um, but I, I like having somebody around. Now that the kids are going to start school, I'm going to be alone again at home during the day, but um, but I know they'll be back. So. But anyways, I hate, that's something I I just don't like. I I, I don't like being alone. So having just gotten out of work, I figured I'd just kill some time by sleeping a few hours and then getting up later on to finish my notes for last Sunday's sermon. But as I was about to fall asleep, I started getting these notifications on my phone. I'm sure most of you got them as well. About what was going on, and then I started getting text messages from family members: "Are you okay? Is your family okay?" And I wasn't sure what to make of it all. I mean, every once in a while you hear about, you know, some kind of crime or a shooting happening at a store. You know, I, initially, I yeah, I didn't think much about it. But when I started getting these messages, especially from work, um, that's when I knew it was serious. And it wasn't until I turned on the news and started hearing the initial reports that I just start I began to see the gravity of the entire situation. There was just all kinds of things happening. You you were hearing about similar events happening at Dillard's and these other Walmarts and all these other things happening. Just I was like what what is going on? I personally couldn't believe it. I was in shock. And an immediate, just a sense of fear overtook me. You see, this was something I never expected to happen here in El Paso. And I'm sure you hear that a lot. You just never, and every, everybody that's experienced something similar never expected it to happen in their hometown or in the city. Well, in my 13 years of living here, I've never experienced this. Something this uh, this magnitude happened here. I, it, it was just it was just shocking to me. It was just uh, I couldn't believe it. Especially, especially not at Walmart. I mean, Walmart. Everybody goes to Walmart. You just want to go pick up, you know, something quick. You you go to Walmart, and that Saturday morning, you know, I knew it was just a lot of people there. One week before school and. I was like, wow. It was was tough. When the images and videos appearing on social media, my jaw just dropped. And the fear I felt came from the fact that I had coworkers who were there first responders that were there at the scene. And I was genuinely concerned for their safety. At that very moment, I wanted to do something. I wanted to be there. I wanted to help out, but I knew I couldn't. I knew I couldn't not, at least not at that time or at that moment, not there at least. So the only thing I could do at that very moment is just pray. I prayed for those who were hurt, those who had witnessed this vile act, children who I saw were passing by bodies. No child should ever have to see something like that. I prayed for the first responders. I prayed for this city. Prayed, man, for the city I cared so much about. And then I felt the need to also pray that God would give me inner peace. You see, ever since I came back from Iraq in 2003, and I saw horrible things that. I wouldn't want anybody to, to, to ever witness and see. Since that time, the Lord's been healing me from the anxiety that I feel when I start to get hypervigilant. When I start to, I don't know, where are the exits and how am I going to get out of here and who is that, why are they looking so strange? And That was hard in the beginning. It was hard to, to just be around anybody. In public places and throughout this time the lord has been healing me from that and it's been getting a lot easier just to to trust him and to 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 be in public places i you know ask my family during the day i really just prefer to be home you know if they ask me do you want to go to the store or to walmart to the mall you know i usually I'm like ah, go ahead you know but But I've been going, you know, lately I I go with them and, and I just, you know, I hang out. I, again, the Lord's been working in my heart about these things, but see, I was worried that this event would open up old wounds and cause me to lose trust in his promise to keep me alive until his plan for my life was complete. See, when I came back to the Lord, and as I was, you know, just coming to Him in prayer and, and spending time and, with Him, and when He was calling me to plant His church and to to to, you know, I, I was worried about a bunch of things. One of the things the Lord just really gave me peace about was that he was, he was telling me, "Lord, angel, it's okay. I'm gonna, I have a plan for you, and I'm gonna keep you alive. I'm gonna protect you." until your mission here on earth is over. And so I trusted that and that's what I held on to. But I was worried that this event, now I'm going to be watching my back again at Walmart. I'm going to have to be careful. I'm going to have to carry, carry my weapon everywhere I go. I never really did that. I never really had to, but it was, we were told at work we should, but I didn't find the need to. I felt pretty safe. So now all these emotions and thoughts started going through my mind. So I prayed, and I essentially asked him what Habakkuk asked in in chapter one, verse three, Lord, why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? And then he reminded me, as he did to the prophet, that he is in control. I was then comforted by the words found in Psalm 36, verses 5 and 6. Lord, your faithful love reaches to the heaven. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your judgments like the deepest sea. Again, the reason I'm sharing this, is sharing this with you is to show you that you can come to God and lay it all out loud, all your feelings out before him, and just to tell him exactly what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Let me ask those of you who have children, if your child is hurt, if he's scared, he or she is upset, would you want him or her to tell you all about it? Would you want them to come to you and express to you what they're feeling, they're Just the anxiety, the hurt that they're feeling inside, the pain, I'm sure many many parents would say, most of us would say, yes, all of us. So the thing is, we have a Father in heaven. You have a Father in heaven who wants to hear from you too. He gave us an independent mind to ask questions, to seek answers, and to discover truth. He also gave us feelings and emotions to express ourselves to him and to others. The beauty of God is that when you come to him seeking answers, he will speak to you through his word. And when you come, and when you come to him seeking peace and comfort, he will. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, the Lord said this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Nevertheless, though, we as Christians, we must be careful on how we express those feelings. You see, the moment you were born again, the Holy Spirit made his home in you. And Galatians 5 tells us that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Now, to show you what this looks like, let me share with you some of the feelings I've had since last week's tragic, since last week's tragedy, and how God's Spirit has helped me. Have I been angry? yes but i'm not going to allow my anger i'm not going to allow that anger to control what i say or what i do james chapter 1 verse 20 says human anger does not accomplish god's righteousness have i been sad yes but i'm not going to allow my sadness to dictate my day or how i interact with others Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, he comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who in any kind of affliction, who may comfort those who are in any kind of affliction, though the comfort we ourselves, through the comfort that we ourselves received from God. Have I been scared? Yes. But I refuse to let fear have its way with me psalm 56 verses 3 and 4 say this when i am afraid i will trust in you in god whose word i praise in god i trust i will not be afraid what can mere mortals do to me so should you feel bad Should you feel horrible for having some of these same feelings? Some churches, maybe some, you know, people will tell you that you shouldn't, that it's, you shouldn't have, be having these feelings. Well, it's, I personally, well, it depends. Let me tell you that. If those feelings are causing you to act out in sin, if you're now hurling insults at others on social media, if you're allowing that sadness to control how you feel, how you interact with others, or how you feel throughout the whole day, or how you interact with others, then, yeah, maybe you should check yourself. If, in other words, again, if it's as, if it's causing you to sin, then yes, you should repent and ask the Lord to forgive you. If, however, you're coming to the Lord like Habakkuk did, allow him to show you the truth of his sovereignty and comfort with the, and and allow him to comfort you with the promises of his word. Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Now also many people have been asking, what causes people to just do such wicked things? I'll be honest with you, and I'm not trying to get political here, but it's not because of guns It's vid- or video games. It's not because of the NRA. It's not because of racial or, or economic inequality. It's not due to political views or affiliation, and it's not due to the person that's in the White House. The reason there's so much wickedness in the world is because of the sin that's in the heart of every single person. Jesus put it like this in Mark, chapter 7, verses 21 through 22. Out of the people's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, idolatries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. The heart of mankind has been spoiled since it has been in a spoiled condition since the fall in the Garden of Eden, and nothing has been able to restore it back to its original condition. That is, until Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. So if we truly want to find the cause of evil, We must examine the condition of our own hearts first. We must see the sin that's within it. And we must ask for forgiveness. Until that happens, until people begin to examine their own hearts, they're going to continue to hurt each other. Until that sin continues to remain in there, People are going to continue to hurt other people. Regardless of how many laws are passed to end hatred or violence. You can live in a, and it's a scary thought, but we can, you know, you have all these people talking about we need to do this and we need to do that and we must end, you know, we must end violence and we must, must end hatred. Well, I'm thinking to myself, well, how? It's inside everybody. Sin is, is there. And the only way to remove it is through the blood of Jesus Christ. When he cleanses us, when, he, when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, when we become born again, that's the only way we'll be able to end ha- hatred and violence. Now, before I end this morning, I want to share with you the proper response believers have to have during difficult times like this. First though, I want us, first, though, I want us to go back where we left off in Habakkuk and read those last two verses of chapter three. And I'll, actually, let me, let me go back to verse 17, because it's one long sentence. There it says, though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on on mountain heights. And then, at the end, it says for the choir directory for the choir director on stringed in- instruments. In a remarkable statement of faith and trust, Habakkuk pledged to celebrate in the Lord and rejoiced in the God of my salvation. This is a personal statement of relationship and confidence in the Lord. These emotions aren't centered around circumstance, but are rather focused directly on the Lord, who is the source of His salvation and strength. No matter what was happening, no matter what was going on, or what was going to happen, the prophet was determined to trust God and rejoiced in the midst of whatever the Lord allowed to come. He was fully confident in God's ability to move his people through judgment to deliverance. Habakkuk then affirmed, the Lord, my Lord, is my strength see this was his focus this was his his focus on his current situation and was and was and it was that that sustained him as things got more difficult see he understood that security and hope were not based on temporal blessings but on the lord himself and he finally ends his praise to god by saying he makes my feet like those of deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. When the Lord enables us to walk on mountain heights, he's taking us to the higher places with him, where we're set apart from the world. Sometimes the way we have to get, we have to go To get, sometimes the way he has, we have to go to get there is through suffering and sorrow. But here's the thing if we rest in him and trust him, we come out where he wants us. Habakkuk is a model of righteousness for today. As a man who loved the Lord and was willing to seek, understanding, to understand his ways, yet also willing to trust and rejoice in God's salvation when his plans seemed beyond comprehension. Those of us, those of us who love the Lord may continue to face incomprehensible difficulties, but we shouldn't be overwhelmed by them. If we claim to live by faith, we must remain loyal to Him. We must remain in Him, surrounded by Him. We must continue to remain steadfast, loyal to Him, despite the circumstances. So if you're wondering how we ought to properly respond to the tragic events that happened last Saturday, let me just quickly share a few suggestions. First and foremost, whether in good times or in bad, we must remain fervent in prayer. We must continue to continually seek the Lord, be in the presence of the Lord, in prayer, and in worship because it keeps us connected with him. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Secondly, we ought to, what we ought to do is look for Look in God's word for biblical examples like Habakkuk or Habakkuk for help and wisdom in dealing with these tragic events. There's examples after examples throughout scripture in the Old Testament, New Testament of men of God who were dealing with some really hard. Even Jesus was dealing hard with some really difficult situations they remain focused they, they never kept their eyes off of god and they receive their wisdom they receive their their comfort from their father in heaven now throughout this past week i personally received a lot of comfort a lot of guidance a lot of help from the book of psalms and And maybe many of you have as well Um, but this book it just has so many words you can go to so many passages you can go to that can bring you so much peace and comfort thirdly we must maintain a right perspective about things paul wrote in philippians chapter 4 verses 8 through 6 Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Meditate on them, think about them This world will constantly bombard us with so many negative things, so many uh, ways that we ought to respond about things. And they wanna force us to react, to feel a certain way. But if we maintain a right perspective, if if we put on the Lord's eyes, if we just allow Him to work in us and to help us to see what's really going on, I think, I really believe that our reaction towards everything that's happening will completely change. We're no longer going to point the finger at others. We're not going to blame outside circumstances for wickedness, the wickedness and sin of one person. We're going to see what it it really was. Again, we have to keep our maintain our our perspective, a right perspective about things. Fourthly, we ought to look for ways, and this is you know this isn't really something that should be said but we ought to look for ways to assist one another it doesn't matter if they're of the same denomination or faith or race or social class or you know um, we ought to find ways to help out those who are hurting those who are in need it was amazing to see that right after they were asking for blood donations a couple hours later, a few hours later, they said, oh, we can't take anymore. We've got a lot of people here, you know. But that's just one example. I mean, we've got to find ways to just minister, to, do, to be able to just share the love of Christ, the love that, of Christ that's in us. We have to just be able to share it with others. Philippians 2, 4 says this, everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And lastly, I mentioned this just a little bit. We ought to avoid pointless arguments. By creating chaos, that's the devil's aim. The devil's aim is just to bring strife, to create division, to cause people to butt heads, to fight with one another about really things that in the long run aren't even going to matter. Eternally speaking, we're not going to, you know, these all these politicians aren't going to be anything, and we're not going to have guns in heaven, you know. We ought to, instead of fighting with one, we ought to just encourage one another. We ought to Tell people, hey, you know what? Just God loves you. I, 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 the Lord's leading me to tell you that He cares for you. He loves you. When you're being attacked, you know, it, it, why would you why why attack back? What good does it do? Just love on people. Love people the way Christ li- loves you. How many times have we offended the Lord with our own actions, with our own behavior and yet He forgives us. He continually loves us. He's so patient with us. Imagine if if the Lord responded to every horrible thing you did on social media. What do you think He'd say? You know, Some people would say He'd say some horrible things, but I choose to believe that He would continue to Send me messages that he loves me. Again, it's pointless. That's what the devil's trying to to do, is just to create division and and strife. Paul exhorted us in Romans chapter 16, verse 17, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teaching you learned. He says, avoid them. Church. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, brothers and sisters, there is hope in the midst of chaos. You see, by remembering that God is our salvation and strength, it will produce rejoicing in the Lord and will help us remain confident in his ultimate good plan. We may not see it, but I absolutely believe that God is working in people, and through people in this confusing and time and, this, and all this, this, this tragedy. God is with us and He is in control. I want to read to you one more psalm and, and many of you are familiar with that. and You don't have to go there, but it's a short psalm. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. There is hope. You have to see it. You should be able to see it. If not, he wants to sh- The Lord wants to show you that there is hope. Again, ultimately, He will punish the wicked. Justice will come. Whether it's this guy who did this terrible thing, or whether it's just, we hear so many things in the news about all this wickedness going on. God will judge. He will deliver us from all this evil. He will vindicate us at the return of the Messiah, when Jesus Christ comes back. What is going on with you today? If you are lost, if you're confused, if you're not sure, again, how to understand everything that's been going on since last week, I want to invite you just to come to Jesus Christ and allow Him to give you the peace you've been looking for, to to show you what it is that He wants to show you. He wants to give you the answers. I, I don't have them all. I can only show you what God's Word says here, but I really believe that if you come to Him, He will speak to you and tell you exactly what this all means for you personally. But you must receive him. You must allow him to come into your heart. And in order to do that, as I mentioned, you must confess, yeah, you're a sinner. You've blown it. And that you need his forgiveness. And if you've never done that and want to, you're ready to accept the Lord into your heart as Lord and Savior, wherever you're at just close your eyes and bow your head and pray this with all sincerity Lord God forgive me of my sins I know I've blown it and I know that without you I'm I'm lost I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that I believe that He is your Son. I believe that He rose from the cross three days later. I throw my sins upon Him now, Lord, and ask that You empty me, empty me, and Fill me with your spirit. Make me new. I want to be born again. By faith, I accept your forgiveness, Lord. Help me to walk according to your ways the rest of my life. Let me see the world through your eyes, Lord, and just fill me with your with your love. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to die for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, I hope you, everyone here watching again that sees there's we have a, a great and wonderful and beautiful God that is in control in the chaos and if you're still struggling with some of these feelings and emotions and and thoughts and you know feel free to see me afterwards we'll talk about it and like I've been there I've done that as I said, I saw a lot of things I wish no human being would ever see and that the Lord's had to a lot of work in my life and he's still not done he's still doing a lot of things but i'm here to listen and i'm sure my wife and and um isaac here will will help talk with you too but let's keep our focus on the lord and let's comfort those who are hurting let's uh again remember that god is ultimately in control Let's close one more time in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, morning. Thank you for, allow- for helping me share this message, Lord, uh, for guiding me For um, as I prepared this message, Lord. I wasn't sure what to expect or how this would come across, Lord, but it all came out according to your great purpose and plan, Lord. And I pray that those who are here watching and listening, have gotten gotten something out of it that you have spoken to them mightily in one way or another, Lord, whether it's a sentence or a word or the entire thing, Lord, I I pray that you will that that seed that was planted in their hearts, Lord, that you will water it and that they will seek you out in their times of, of pain, of hurting and confusion, Lord. Lord, as we go out the rest of this week, keep us safe, protect us, protect everybody here from harm, Lord. Keep their families safe. And may we go out there and be the salt and light of our community, Lord, of, of, of this city you love, the city of El Paso. We glorify you, Lord. We praise you. Bless us next time. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.